Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report podcast. I'm your host, Vago Maradian. Our podcast is brought to you by Bell. Since 1935, Bell has been redefining flight. Learn more about its pioneering spirit at bellflight.com. Joining us today for our special coverage of the Reagan National Defense Forum this weekend at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library and Museum in Simi Valley, California, are two of our regulars, Dr. Dov Zakheim, who counts the Center for Strategic and International Studies among his many affiliations and is part of our regular Washington uh, roundtable every Friday, and Byron Callen of the independent Washington research firm Capital Alpha Partners, who joins us every Monday for uh, a look ahead at the week and whatever else is on on his mind. Both of these uh, gentlemen uh, were uh, paying attention to uh, the Reagan Forum over the weekend. Um, Dove, uh, let me uh, go to you uh, on the ground. Uh, what were some of the things that jumped out at this year's forum, right? It was a different way of introducing it with uh, Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo uh, on the podium. Normally, we have a senior defense official will talk or it starts right away with a defense panel. But this time it was a it was a fireside chat with the Commerce Secretary. Why did you what what jumped out at what she said? But more importantly, what did it more broadly uh, tell you? Uh, uh, at a time when we have a tendency of focusing on national security as a defense department thing, as opposed to something broader? Well, it tied in really with the uh, overall concern about China, and which was mentioned many, many times. Uh, she uh, really wanted to be there and uh, actually told me in a sidebar that uh, her view uh, was pretty much what she said on the stage, which is, National security extends far beyond the Defense Department and the defense budget. Um, I'll, uh, Byron has written a very good piece about the specifics of what she said, so I'll let Byron talk to that. But the general message to the Chinese, quite frankly, and to the rest of the world, including our allies and partners and friends, is that um, you have a Secretary of Commerce who uh, is an integral part of the national security community. One of the, of course, the issues that arises, and this was something that was talked about as well, there was a lot of talk about AUKUS in this uh, conference. Well, the only way you can make AUKUS work is if uh, ITAR and other related uh, regulations and laws are amended to make the free flow of technology really work. Uh, and again, to that extent, having uh, Gina Raimondo there was a message that there's a determination to make it work. Byron? Look, I absolutely agree with what Dove kind of framed out here. I, I wrote, you know, one of her specific quotes was that, uh, you know, national security rests on economic security. You know, but I think there were some really important nuances um, to what she talked about. First, you know, that she really she wants a bigger budget for um, BIS uh, to help really kind of be the experts on some of these issues so they can deal face-to-face -face with industry, you know, particularly the semiconductor industry on understanding what some of these technologies are. And I think equally importantly, you know, there's been this kind of cat and mouse game that's been going on between commerce and the semiconductor industry where, you know, BIS will come out with a, a cut line on a particular technology and then industry will respond with something just below that cut line. And Romano, I thought, laid down a pretty interesting, you know, mandate that, hey, that's got to stop. Like, we really, right. we've got to think about this more holistically. And, you know, as she said, I think our national security goal is to have no 
AI special sauce in the chips that are going to China. And I, just to circle back to kind of the way the Dove framed it, you know, as he well knows, I think as maybe your listeners also appreciate, um, the forum historically has really been a DOD focused event. Um, you know, senior DOD officials, senior members from Congress, um, senior people from, from the defense industry and the new tech uh, startup community. But the fact that Ramondo was there, I think it just sent a very powerful message to kind of this holistic view on national security that's emerged in recent years. And that it's important. I mean, you, you know, it, it you can't have national security without that broader foundation of economic and, and technological security. And um, that's really the way this great power competition is going to be waged going forward. Uh, I, I think it's fascinating that folks are you know, having this epiphany when uh, military capability is so directly tied to economic uh, prowess. And we, you know, we, with the United States have the world's biggest military because we have the world's best economy, most vibrant economy, the richest economy that could underwrite this military spending. And that's something that the Chinese uh, have methodically developed, right? Improve our economic condition, even if it's Americans that are buying those goods and folks around the world in order to build up those military capabilities to then use against uh, the United States and some of those very uh, consumer uh, consumers of those goods. Dove, what were some of the other takeaways, right? I mean, artificial intelligence was an important part of this. It was one of the first panel discussion, uh, you know, with uh, Dr. Alex Karp from Palantir, Mark uh, Thiessen uh, of the Bush administration, now a commentator, uh, Joni Ernst, uh, as well as uh, the, the ranking member of the House Armed Services Committee, Adam Smith, uh, were on that, that panel. There was talk about Ukraine, which uh, featured prominently in obviously this year's poll, uh, as well as uh, the uh, Israel's war on Hamas after the atrocious October 7 attacks. What were some of the takeaways across all of these uh, vectors, whether technology, strategy, uh, policy and foreign affairs from your standpoint? Well, one thing that was really important was uh, the sense that uh, Ukraine really needs to continue to receive help. Uh, and there was a lot of debate about that in terms of, you know, are we doing it quickly enough? Are we doing are we sending what we need to send um, when uh, Secretary of Defense Austin spoke? And, and he spoke quite well, I thought, um, you know, his argument was we can walk and chew gum. Uh, and this has become a, actually a phrase I've heard from several other government officials. Um, but a lot of people were debating whether that really can be done. Uh, you've got people like Mike Gallagher, who made this usual forceful case for uh, having to have the wherewithal to uh, stand off and, and uh, essentially deter China. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you had uh the whole discussion over support for Israel and Alex Karp, by the way, was very, very vocal, not only about the need to support Israel, but he was busy attacking uh, a lot of uh, elite institutions, including his own alma mater, uh, for uh, what he called blatant anti-Semitism. And there was a lot of, frankly, uh, a lot of uh, concern about uh, anti-Semitism throughout the conference. Um, but, you know, so you've got Israel, you've got China, you've got Ukraine. And the question is, with defense spending uh, essentially flat, if not uh, actually declining in real terms, how do you manage all of that? And that was something that was, I think, uh, a subject that not only was on panels, but frankly, was uh, in sidebar conversations as well, which leads you into AI and this whole idea that you, you can 
get high technology to offset the numbers that continue to shrink. And one of the issues was, well, what exactly do you mean by AI? And it was very, very clear that there, that AI is essentially a tool. And it's then begs the question, a tool for what? Uh, in addition, of course, uh, you've got to get from here to there. And this was something that Bill LaPlante talked about and others talked about. The valley of death is still there. It's very much there. How do you build to scale? You get an idea. You, you had uh, people like Doug Beck, who everyone says is doing a great job at the, at the Defense Innovation Unit. But again, that's the front end. And by the way, Beck and his people think they need to get more money. They're not getting all that much money either. So the question is, how do you put the money behind all these great ideas? Another one that was debated at some length was Replicator, because the, everyone agreed it's a great idea, but no one seemed to be able to put their finger on what exactly it was. It's not like the uh, collaborative combat aircraft idea that uh, Frank Kendall, Secretary of the Air Force, talked about in very articulate terms. And by the way, Kendall was very impressive, as he usually is. Um, but when you come to Replicator, the question is, can you actually get it done in a couple of years? Where, you, where are the offsets coming from? It looks like they're coming from the Army. The Army's not terribly happy about that, obviously. Army's concerned about long-range fires. And, and if money comes out of long-range fires, that undermines the Army. So the question is, where does the money come from? Can it be really done in 18 months? Uh, what is that exactly is the strategy? If you're going to one of the questions that was raised, which I thought was very relevant, was, OK, if you're going to have a thousand of these things, how are you going to command and control them? Right. Who's going to be in I, charge of, of, of vectoring them? These are issues that have to be uh, clarified. And I think the conference was very useful in raising these issues in front of 700 people who are in industry, who are in government, who are from foreign governments. We had the, uh, the foreign the defense minister of Sweden there, and they, of course, are a high-tech uh, friend and, and hopefully soon ally as well. So it was very important that these issues get raised. And I just want to point out to the audience that we interviewed Dr. LaPlante as well as Secretary Kendall, and you guys will be uh, hearing those interviews over the coming days, as well as a conversation that we had uh, with uh, Jerry Hendricks uh, as well, uh, who uh, talked about industrial base. Byron, uh, some of your takeaways across the piece? Yeah, to riff off of some of the things that Dove raised, I, I think this whole issue of kind of software and AI was interwoven through a lot of the panels and presentations. And you know, I think this is known. It's just interesting when you have so many people gathered in in a simple place. It it kind of in a single place. It amplifies this message. And so I thought, you know, Lockheed Martin, uh, Jim Tasten's comments about, hey, you know, we really have an acquisition system that is not geared. It's geared towards Newtonian systems. It is not moving at the speed of <clears throat> that you need to have it move at at software. Was an interesting point. I do think. You know, as much as there are questions about Replicator, it seemed like the uh, the Air Force uh, Collaborative Combat Aircraft Program was really getting high praise all around um, on, on a couple of different panels. And maybe that is going to be a, a very important wedge to drive through, you know, how are you going to work with, with artificial intelligence autonomy? Um, but I, you know, generally heard a lot of praise for that as much as there were question marks about Replicator. I didn't hear a lot of question marks or concerns about, about the CCA program. And I'd say then just in general, it may go back to China. You know, that is one area 
you know, China is a manufacturing powerhouse. You can't ignore that. But um, this is this whole question about software, software design, engineering, development is a U.S. advantage. And I think the more that DOD can take advantage of that, um, you know, the, the more distance you put between the U.S. and China and our allies in China. Um, I should uh, just uh, remind our audience a quick word from our sponsors. Bell sponsors our daily coverage. Uh, HII sponsors our global coverage. General Atomics Aeronautical Systems sponsors our strategy coverage. Ultra Intelligence and Communication sponsors our command and control coverage. And GE Aerospace sponsors our air and naval coverage. Uh, Dove, you know, there were all of these different themes uh, that were ongoing. I'm going to ask you, uh, I want to go one more round in, in a little uh, a bit of nuance on the industrial elements of this. Obviously, industrial base is a major focus. Uh, you know, rightfully, industrial capacity is important to deterrence. Uh, and there is a little bit of a concern that we're not gearing up as fast uh, and as aggressively as we need to. Dr. LaPlante uh, explained uh, very thoughtfully that, look, we've got tens of billions of dollars in uh, the FIDEP, uh, for defense industrialization, not just on the submarine side, but on the munitions side uh, as well. And, and Replicator is part of that, how to field large amounts of capability with non-traditional uh, suppliers. From your standpoint, did you get a sense that there was enough progress happening uh, at a time when Ukraine needs as much help? And, you know, today the White House, you know, sent an alert up to Congress. You're not passing uh, a supplemental is having a meaningful impact uh, on our ability to support our Ukrainian allies in their dire moment of need as the Russians build up their capability. What, what it, you know, are we moving as fast? And 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 Byron, want to get your sense on this because when you talk to Dr. Laplan or, or or Secretary Kendall, they tell you we are moving fast and the ball is accelerating dramatically, even if you know we're not exactly pushing out twice as many F-35s or or munitions right away. What was your sense, stuff? Well, I, I don't think that we are. And, uh, you know, uh, Byron just mentioned Jim Tegler. I was chatting with him briefly and he said, and I think it's relevant to your question. He said to me, you know, what we really need is a rapid acquisition system to get past all this valley of death stuff. And I said to him, we already have a rapid acquisition system. So this would be a third acquisition system. And what that tells me is that there is a fundamental flaw in the way we do acquisition. And, there are, and frankly, it's flawed in two ways. It's not just a matter of the hardware that hits the valley of death, but especially the software. We still haven't gotten our arms around how to deal with software that changes within the course of a year and sometimes even sooner than that, uh, and to get that out to the people who need it. So, it, it, you know, yes, we're accelerating. We're accelerating over a 20th century base. That's the fundamental problem here. Uh, and uh, Mark Thiessen rightly pointed out that, you know, we're essentially modernizing because we give the stuff we give to Ukraine um, and then we buy newer stuff because all the money's pretty much staying in the United States. Well, that's true, but there isn't enough still. Uh, that's number one. And number two is if you're going to talk about all these new technologies, not just replicator, uh, but more generally, you've got to have an acquisition system that's geared to that. And it's not at all clear that the acquisition system, the acquisition personnel we have 
are sufficiently attuned to the mindsets of, say, Silicon Valley. Uh, and until that gets sorted out, we're going to continue to have a problem for the very simple reason that unlike China, which has a dictator and says, you do this and everything is subordinated to what the dictator wants, we're in a very different situation. One thing also that uh, wasn't mentioned enough, although when I spoke to people, they all agreed, is the further down you go in the supply chain, the more tricky it becomes because small mom and pop companies that do supply the second and, and first tier and, and prime uh, contractors, they're, they'd rather do work with the commercial sector because they're, they're tight on cash. The commercial sector gives them cash. The, the government sector doesn't do so. And so the whole issue of how do you get capital expenditure to expand in order to meet these new demands is a major issue which isn't getting sufficient focus in my view, but Byron may disagree. I don't know. No, I absolutely agree with Doug. Um, you know, and it, it was actually, it did come up on a panel where uh, Chris Callio, RTX's president and CEO, uh, chief operating officer spoke. Um, you know, he mentioned that Raytheon uh, or RTX, uh, the parent company of Raytheon has something like 40,000 product and non-product suppliers that supports the entire company. But 40% of those are small businesses. And I think, you know, maybe that's kind of the deception here. If you look at the financial health of some of the major public companies in the United States, they look pretty good. <clears throat> but it's that third and fourth tier of uh, the supply base that that really, I think, you know, they are smaller companies. They're not always well capitalized. They can't stand production gaps. They're facing inflationary pressures. They have to compete for labor too. And I, I think, um, you know, Representative Courtney kind of raised this in the context of the submarine industrial base and just the stresses there and what's needed to, to ramp this up. So, it's getting a little bit of attention, but I don't think I don't think we've solved it. And it it's still, I think, is going to be a, a gating factor, frankly, a constraining factor on how quickly the U.S. can ramp up production. The one other thing kind of circling back to Ukraine, Vago, that I thought was intriguing was um, uh, Secretary LaPlante's call for counter UAS, kind of like right. we need this stuff now. Um, we need it in a hurry. And to me, that was just a he didn't really say it, but, you know, I think Ukraine is going to face a very tough winter um, as Russia starts launching these larger strikes with Iranian uh, supplied or, or Iranian technology in the, in the drones that they're going to be sending uh, Ukraine's way. So that was kind of an interesting demand signal that I hope industry heard loud and clear. And Byron, in a moment, I'm going to come to you to uh, get uh, your sense of the of the week ahead, uh, which is an important part of this program every Monday. Dove um, was a truce. Uh, we discussed it a little bit on uh, on uh, Thursday when we recorded the show. We aired it on uh, Friday, uh, and the truce had not collapsed at that point. Israel uh, has really stepped up uh, combat operations to a fury and intensity now in the southern part of the country where a lot of Gazans had fled. Uh, it is a very challenging environment. The civilian casualty count uh, continues to mount. Israeli officials, I think it's fair to say, have effectively been disregarding what the, the Biden administration has been saying. You suggested using USAID as, as a tool. Um, what What's your sense on what's next? And how much longer can Israel do this? Or is that actually a question we shouldn't be asking? Because 
it doesn't matter how much the international pressure is. It looks like Israel is going to continue this and has concluded, I've gotten as many hostages out of this as I'm going to get. Now the goal is, no matter what the cost is, to get Sinwar and, and the Hamas leadership. And and how do, how do we need to deal with that? Because the United States is being subject to criticism, as is the president, um, for not being able to do more to alter the course of that. Well, a couple of things. Uh, getting Sinwar and the leadership doesn't involve large-scale operations down in southern Gaza. And a lot of people are saying, uh, and including some Israelis, that uh, what they really ought to do is uh, essentially follow the script of what they did after the Munich massacre, no matter how long it takes, get all these people. They, their counter is, well, we don't know exactly where Sinwar is. It'll take us time and so on. Uh, I think you're right about the uh, ignoring the Biden administration. Again, Secretary Austin was very, very clear in his talk about how they really need to be careful about civilians. The Israeli comeback is we are careful about civilians. In the meantime, of course, uh, however careful they are, they're killing civilians. Uh, and the United States really has not put the kind of pressure it could put. And it's not just a matter of withholding money. I think the real issue for Israel is will the United States abstain in, in some Security Council resolution, which really could hurt Israel? Uh, so far, they seem the Israelis seem to be betting that we won't abstain the way we did under, say, uh, Barack Obama. Um and that Biden will hold will hold fast, even if he continues to wag a finger at them and tell them you really shouldn't be doing what you're doing. Uh, it's still not clear what the Israelis think would happen once this all ends. Uh, more and more talk in Israel about, well, they'll just have to stay there for a while. I don't think that's feasible. I don't think that'll hold up. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess it's going to be up for us and, and maybe our allies together to figure out what to do when this is all over, because at some point it's going to have to end. Um, but for the meantime, uh, the Israelis are just forging ahead, uh, despite uh, what Mr. Biden has said, what the Secretary of Defense and Secretary of State, and, you know, Blinken um, uh, keeps going over there and telling them the same thing. And they say, yes, we hear you, uh, but that doesn't mean we're going to do it. Um. It is going to be very interesting to see what the next uh, next steps of this are, uh, for sure. And we look forward to discussing that more on uh, Friday's uh, show with uh, the roundtable. Uh, Byron, any thoughts on that? And real quick, give us a sense on what the audience ought to be paying attention to this week. Well, look, just on the calendar, um, Aspen Security Forum takes place in Washington, D.C. on the 7th. Um, not all the speakers have been announced, but I know that uh, I think Doug Beck is going to be speaking that from DIU. There'll probably be uh, senior officials from the White House as well. Um, IISS releases their armed conflict survey on Wednesday. There are some House Armed Services and Senate Armed Services hearings on military recruitment. That's in the Senate and the House is holding ones on um, basically missile defense demand, uh, which is with DOD witnesses and on new technologies. I, I haven't seen if the witness lists have been released for that yet. The one other thing I just want to put on the table, um, you know, Vago, in the past, we've talked about this concept of entropy, but... This referendum that Venezuela passed, um, you know, kind of validating a claim on a, a large slice of Guyana is going to be an interesting one to watch to add to this geopolitical mix. I mean, I don't think, you know, 
I, I don't know where this goes, but you know, there is another potential for yet another security crisis if someone uses military force to change borders. And um, that might be worth keeping an eye on. I don't think that's going to have major implications uh, for the Department of Defense, the, the uh, defense sector in general. But, you know, in terms of crises to to to, to juggle and, and what does this mean for kind of global security? Again, it's it's going to be another another arrow added to the quiver. I'm glad that uh, Secretary Austin in his remarks said the United States has to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time, which effectively is, you know, it, you can continue and have to continue uh, supporting Ukraine, even as uh, Israel is in its hour of need, uh, as you have to deal with Taiwan, as you have to deal with stuff uh, in becoming, our hemisphere. Become, it's becoming a very big wad of gum to chew. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> let me uh, let me just add a couple. Go, of go things. ahead, Dove. Last words. First of all, we didn't talk about one other uh, new uh, development at the conference that really was quite important and is relevant to what Byron just talked about. Laura Richardson has the, the commander of Southcom. General Richardson has been there before, but this was the first time that South the 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 whole issue of what Southern Command is concerned about was a panel discussion. Uh, that was new. And of course, that is very relevant to this whole issue of, well, if, if Venezuela goes after uh, Guyana because of oil, what are we going to do? Uh, and so I, I think that was a, a major development. The other one that wasn't really discussed on stage as much as off stage is there's a lot of optimism that the uh, NDAA is going to pass pretty soon. Right. And that's important. Uh it is. Uh, and uh, 30 seconds uh, on the poll, uh, the uh, support for the U.S. military continues uh, to decline. Um, what were some of the challenges? What were both uh, very briefly in about in less than a minute? What were the bright spots? What were the worrying spots from you for this year's uh, 10th anniversary poll? Well, uh, it's declined, but it has it's actually a little bit higher than it was a couple of years ago. It's pretty much flat. There's obviously a concern about that. Huge concern about Tommy Tupperville and when this is all going to come to an end. Uh, he apparently has reversed himself. He's no longer talking about abortions. He's now talking about woke officers in the military. And, and this disruption just continues. Um, so that obviously was a concern um, a little bit on stage and certainly off stage. Uh, and and the other the other poll result is the, the total uh, that at least for me, the most important one was the total decline in any kind of institution in this country. The military is the best and it's declining. And of course, Congress has been in the dirt for years. The media has been in the dirt for years. There seems to be a complete walking away from the respect and the uh, literally pride that Americans had in their institutions. And that is very scary as we have elections coming up. Guys, thanks very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Hope uh, you both have a great week. Uh, Dove, we'll see you on Friday. Byron, we'll see you next week. Uh, thanks so very much. Uh, really appreciate the time and the insights. Thank you. Thanks.